0: To this week's edition of the Yarra Bicycle Users Group Radio Show for Monday, the twenty-fourth of October, twenty twenty-two. We acknowledge the Gurundji people of the Kulin Nation, traditional owners of the land from which we transmit people-powered radio. And uh, my name's Chris, and Yarra Bicycle Users Group Radio. We're a show about bicycles, cycling, urban transport, and today we're going to be talking about shared paths. After. Uh, the weather we've had and the weather we may uh, get in the future. And uh, you may be aware that there's sensors and counters and the like on uh, the shared paths around Melbourne. There's over uh, just, I think, about 2,000 kilometres of these paths and they're heavily promoted as a way of getting about. But what happens when you're trying to find out information whether they are open or not? After the break, I'll be chatting to a couple of local riders Stephen and Daniel about how, how they observe uh, Melbourne's uh, shared paths and obstacles and opportunities for the future.
1: I'm Steve. I've been a cyclist for forever, of course. when started when I was a kid. Cycling and commuter cycling in Melbourne nearly 30 years ago. And I've been virtually every day riding in some form. But over time, I've covered geographically most of the commuter paths and other paths and connected paths of Melbourne. So I'm fairly familiar with them in dry conditions, and hot conditions, and when it gets wet and
0: muddy.
2: I'm Daniel Quinn and I'm a regular bike rider. I ride both commuting to work very regularly. I ride competitively on my mountain bike mostly. And so that means I ride a lot around the city of Yarra and also I ride further afield on mountain bike tracks, but that's probably not re- so relevant to our listeners who are riding and interested in inner-city bike riding, I assume. My background in riding actually started from back when I was a kid growing up in country Victoria, and my parents, who have dropped in this afternoon, they sent me ride, riding off to my primary school in Borromine South Primary School. And so ever since then, bike riding has been both a form of transport and a competitive outlet for me.
0: The last week and a half in Melbourne, we're talking, you know, uh, 22nd of October today, go back about a week and a bit ago, we, we had a flood event here in Melbourne and it, it impacted a, quite a bit and it kind of brings in sharp relief. We don't really have any real-time analysis or ways you can find out stuff about whether your local path is closed or not. But when it comes to roads, you know, there's, there's Vic Emergency, there's Vic Roads, there's heaps of stuff.
1: I know some of the paths are actually fairly well signposted in terms of if the path is flooded, there's a detour route that's marked. But it's not consistent throughout Melbourne. Mm. And the maintenance of those signs can be problematic because I've noticed that the graffitiists love them just as much as cyclists do. Mm. So keeping it clean and up-to-date is one of the issues. I suppose one of the, the key things is that what i've seen the the main places where cars flood are actually underpasses under roads and often at those points that there is actually a exit point off the path to the road surface there's often pedestrian lights there that can get you across the road and down to the other side to continue on safely that's not always the case though the, the classic is in um Abbotsford, just round from Dykes Falls, that floods a lot. And I came across today, for example, huge muddy part along the main Yarra Trail, well, deviation off the main Yarra Trail. But as you head from uh, the little bridge that takes you near Burke Road off to the Boulevard, mm. that was very, very muddy. Two days ago, I saw a fairly accomplished cyclist, man in his 70s, that had hit that muddy patch. And it'd come down unfortunately he'd probably only taken a little bit of bark off that's going to be a hell of an inconvenience to him he probably has to go off and get a it shot and given that that mud uh, the yarra could be quite heavily contaminated
2: well yeah interesting i was out riding with a mate this morning on we went out along the main yarra trail and then we went out to mullum mullum it's it's frustrating like i at the i live in abbotsford and so Every time there's a flood event at the pretty much the end of my street, the, the boom gate goes down near dikes Falls and there's no warning. So I've now, because I've been living here for 20 years and I've been riding in the area for 30 years, I'm starting to get a pretty good sense when it's closed. But every time I go down there, people stop and they go, wow, what's happened here? Where do I go? And I know where to go because I live in Abbotsford and so I know you just go there. these back streets, you go around Trenary Crescent, blah, blah, blah. But then I'll bump into families with six year olds who are just taking their kid out for a bike ride on a sunny afternoon like this. And they have no idea that they're about to walk to a, to ride to a flooded bike path. And all of a sudden they find themselves dumped on inner city arterials. And it's horrible when, when that happens and it's dangerous. Like I, yeah. it's horrible for kids and families to have that happen.
1: That is a, um, a really nasty issue in commuter cars. Especially when they're not well lit, I broke a collarbone commuting on slipping on mud 15, 20 years ago. It was dark, I hit a muddy patch, there was no signposting to let it know that it was there. Signposting and keeping you aware of these things is uh, is an issue. and I was commuting You're listening to eight five five am.
0: What's your observations on this? Like we have these shared trails, but where like and they're and they're pushed, they're pushed as like this is a great thing to do on the weekend or commuting during your morning and afternoon peaks. But when things go wrong and unfortunately with more climactic sort of weather conditions, we're gonna get more of this.
2: I was looking, my parents drove down from near the floods up near Achuka this afternoon or yesterday and they looked on the Vic Roads website and it's an up-to-date and yeah, it's not perfect, but broadly they can see they shouldn't go on this road and they should go on that road. And it makes sense. So it's all about facilitating their drive and great for them. Hope they arrive safely, Melbourne. So I'm happy for that. But there's no way you can do that. You pretty much, I'm a member of three or four mountain biking websites where, or Facebook groups where we sort of say, is this closed? Is that closed? And that's only because I'm dedicated to my riding. I've just outlined at the beginning that I love bike riding and I'll do just about anything to ride my bike in preference to a car. But if you're just a casual bike rider, there's no way you can navigate all those five Facebook groups and have a sense that, oh, yeah, it's probably going to be closed down at Dights Falls and, oh, actually, you know what, there's a whole bunch of mud right now near the Bollin Bollin Billabong, and I kind of expected that, and I'm a mountain biker, so I'll just navigate all that. If you're just out because you want to get to work and all of a sudden there's mud across the tracks, then good luck to you. You've got to get off in your work clothes and navigate that. And to circle off that comment is that's not what happens when we consider roads There's up to the minute. Updates and Vic Roads provides a website and a portal for all of that emergency stuff, but it's Vic Roads. They're not at all interested in active transport.
1: From my um, experience and what I've observed, is that most cyclists are actually more intelligent car drivers in terms of they don't seem to want to ride through very deep puddles. When you <laughs> actually come across an obstruction where there's deep water, you stop mm. and then you look around. If you know the areas, you probably can work little ways by your own experience. Dirt and debris on the paths is a real issue, especially for the elderly. And let's face it, most of the paths are shared paths these days. And people who are all sorts of users disabled, or um, motorised wheelchair users, as well as scooter users, as well as you know pedestrians and elderly pedestrians use the paths. Yeah, young kids especially. So I suppose it's the thing is that I would put it probably as greater priority for cleaning up the problematic areas as quickly as you can within a reasonable time frame. I suppose as cyclists, we could be people who use the Snap, SnapSolve send app and send in pictures to the local authority to actually get them to come and clean it up. And the weight of numbers for doing that will probably get more people to be active.
0: That's an interesting one, but there's the overwhelming thing of these shared paths and stuff that goes along creek valleys and river valleys isn't really monitored. And I've found, I don't know if you've found, but the best way to know if you're you know, going out is you know, like something like Melbourne Bike Paths on Facebook. It's one thing to say, like if you're experienced and you know what to do and you know where the detours are, but signage sometimes changes from council to council or whoever the land management is. This discussion is about how authorities that be, go use the shared paths, but there's no up-to-date information on it. Like if you look at Vic Emergency App, if you look at Melbourne Water, which have gauges and stuff, on and then there's the SES flood maps, and then there's Vic traffic, as you said, with your parents and the rest of it. You either, as you said, I'll be honest, the best way I find things is I look at Melbourne bike paths on Facebook. Or the local council websites. How many local council websites are you supposed to be looking at? Five to six?
2: Exactly. And let's say just for my commute, which isn't that far, like I yeah. commute through from the city of Yarra, I guess I go through the city of Port Phillip for a bit and the city of Stonington. Every time somebody decides to do a bit of roadworks so or some construction, am I meant to check that not just the shared bike paths, but also the supposed painted bike lanes? they've been closed as well. Like it because they don't update it and it, like and it's not regular. And and I stress again, for me, I'm an active forty something year old man. If I have to take it happened a while ago, I was crossing Turak Road and there were tramworks. And I love it. Right. We're upgrading the tram tracks. But I had to do a detour for 800 metres in one direction and then another detour back in 800 metres on my bike. And I'm getting pedestrians annoyed because I'm on the footpath. Again, I, I can put up with that 1,600 metre detour because I love bike riding. But uh, again, I'm thinking about, again, my parents or my kids, they're not happy with a 1,600 metre detour. Next time they're just going to go, I can't be bothered. I'll just drive um, everybody else.
0: Tricky thing, because more people are riding, more people are seeing this as a way to get about, and they're doing it because it's you know, a very safe off-road option. Given that, emphasis has got to be raised. The priority of these off-road routes has well, um, got to, got a higher priority.
1: I would agree with you. And I think the monitoring isn't actually that difficult, because when you think about it, a lot of these parks and reserves which the, uh, the bike paths go through, they actually mow alongside them very regularly. So all it would take is somebody with a bit of extra eyes, put it on an honest, the path is looking a bit dirty, get the local council street sweeper, and there's small units around these, um, but, do it after peak times and it's done.
0: That's the thing. Like, you know, you are talking about this PT work. There's always like utilities and Yarra trams and PTV. <laughs> there's all these apps for this sort of stuff. But when it comes to bike riding... Moving around on these shared trails, or the rest of it, there's nothing. What needs to be done? I mean, yeah, you've got things like Gardner's Creek Trail coming into the city, umpteen different things I could mention. Like in Tina McCarthy from Wheel Women uh, had a whole bunch of photos of just the absolute devastation mm. caused down on Maribong. Maribong does flood, but we do want to mention that Bun Wall or not. Whoops, oh, it got mentioned. But they're low priorities. Now, earlier this year, I had to talk to Jonathan Shree, he's a councillor in Brisbane City Council. They had the same problem up there, because they have massive floods, and not only do they get mud and debris and all the rest of it, they they had a ruddy great floating restaurant go across the Bicentennial bikeway, and uh, you know, the bikeway in there, they had to open up one of the local roads, one of the big roads nearby, so the cyclists could find some access. But something Jonathan said that was really interesting is the best time to clean these things is when the mud and the silt and the debris is still wet, because otherwise it sets like concrete. Priorities? Budget?
2: No. Similarly, I was riding along the Mullum It's a beautiful trail out Mullum on the east of Melbourne, this morning. It's in the forest, so you feel like you're enclosed, but it's slippery at the moment because we've had so much rain in melbourne and there's also these corrugations throughout the the, supposedly this perfect bike path and it is beautiful i'm not don't want to get away from that but these corrugations of roots that you you can't report it anywhere and say hey this section of the mullum mullum is whereas if there was a pothole on the freeway then that's front page of the newspaper that oh there's a the pothole on some dam um, and a car got damaged once. Well, what about all these people slipping and actually breaking their collarbones or whatever because they hit a massive bump that just wasn't expected on the, on the shared bike path?
0: Melbourne Water have water level sort of things and there's the SES flood maps. I can't understand why these things aren't going, okay, there's a 50% likelihood of this being flooded out and that being publicly known and if this happens in that area there's an off-road route to go on.
1: It's sort of one of those things it's the chicken and the egg too if you're not an experienced rider and just a family rider on a weekend you may not know of these apps Mm. to use to actually check what water levels and things are. It's hard to know whether they actually they would actually be that helpful. The best thing I think is just being really vigilant about keeping these paths safe the closer you get into melbourne on that radial distance you know about 15 to 20 k's in from melbourne those a high frequency pars, the low cycles use yep. once you get beyond about 30 k's the, the sort of the numbers decrease a lot from experience but on the weekends they're very heavily used it's a question of how often do you clean and what do you need to clean i,
2: I like that idea but to be honest i have find it frustrating that this is pushed back on the cycling community of commuters and sport and recreational cyclists um, that it's not recognized as equal as mainstream public transport and vehicular uh, motorized transport so we've got like we back to the start is i feel like And it's complicated because we're talking about Parks Victoria sometimes, we're talking about Melbourne Water, the waterworks, we're talking about city councils Mm. and asking some passionate cycling user to pull all of that together and the water going up and down.
1: Mm. That's what
2: Vic Roads should be doing. They're meant to be about transport for Victoria and moving people, but they're Vic Roads. And I'm kind of curious, why isn't it Vic moving people or Vic transport? Probably big transport is the most sensible thing where they all together.
0: Yeah, well, sensibly looking forward, why aren't we future-proofing our infrastructure? Because, you know, this stuff costs money and time to go down there and clean it up. I am thinking of some of the stuff immediately within Darebin, Yarra, Maribong, parts of Brunswick. I mean, the Moody Ponds Creek, that was completely off chops. And, you know, Mary Creek was just, yeah, you know, it was a river. This infrastructure, unfortunately, is going to get flooded more and more. It's going to have more damage. Why aren't we looking at more on-road options? Why aren't we looking at permanent? You know, this is the detour from here, and the signage is not incumbent upon the council in that area. This, that's another huge argument.
2: Don't get me started there because the frustration, and again, like, because I'm familiar, I don't even bother with signs anymore. But mm. the expectation that a family of two three four or a, a couple whatever it doesn't matter the com- composition of the people going for a bike ride that they have to be able to navigate and again i was riding out along kunong trail this morning to mullum mullum and when you have to bump over these massive arterials like doncaster road and there's no signage like you just mm. you sudden the bike track ends and you're dumped out on this massive freaking arterial of literally at 60 or 70 kilometers an hour and there isn't a single sign and you don't know whether to report it to in that case, the city of Ira, maybe or the city, I don't know what the city of council is out there, or if it's a Vic Roads issue or it's even an East Link issue because they own the freeway. And so by the time, like, I'm already sick of it and I, I'm, yeah. I'm just, who do I tell this? Do I tell it to Melbourne Water, Bell Parks, Victoria? I don't know.
0: When I went looking for information last week, Bicycle Network had, you know, like used to have a road you know, detours thing, and that hadn't been updated since 2019. And I think the onus was they put their news items into the newsroom part of the website, and I can understand that. And now I think since then there is something about the floods in there. But again, as you're saying, this is sheeted back to the bicycle community mm-hmm. and also pedestrians because it is shared paths. This is a big network that isn't really the status. Accessibility of it is not monitored properly.
2: You're listening to 3CR Community Radio, 855am on digital and online, 3CR Radical Radio.
1: There are obvious routes there, for example, Gardner's Creek Path, for example, floods and you're wanting to head out uh, southeast, you could cut across to the degerring Trail. The rail trails themselves are usually a lot drier than the creek paths, so the development of more rail trails in helps the connectivity and as well as gives people dry options for when it's wet and flooded as well.
0: Going on a proactive thing, we, unfortunately, we're going to have more of these events.
1: Well, that's what the, the CSIRO modelling has always said. Either we're going to have dry events and then lots of storms. There's going to be lots of rain very quickly. So events where the, uh, the, the rivers and creeks fill up and flood very, very quickly are going to be more and more frequent. The events at the moment where we're getting back-to-back, back, I think, La the frequency of those are going to increase with the, the modelling as well.
2: In 2022, we shouldn't be relying on a blog update from Bicycle Network. Bicycle Network does some really positive things, but again, I compare the dedication and the infrastructure. I'm no IT person, but mm. I assume there's a fair bit of design that goes into a website that's updated minute by minute or and is, is organised, and you can report this is out, this road is out, or this bike path is out, mm. or this bike path is flooded, or this bike path has got corrugations on it, and so go slow. People just need to be able to click on a map, not go through 37 pages to go on, on, on,
0: There's a lot of stuff now you can do with AI and monitoring and real life stuff. And there is a project in this and for real time information. And I don't think it is impossible, but it also brings in the other thing of people use these off-road facilities because it is deemed safe or they perceive as safe when it's not properly signposted not everyone's got mobile phone that can bring up there's a dozen different if not more apps that will show your way around but they're not real time either but, unless you know, someone the user puts the information in
2: going back to that point of where i, I think it was doncaster road where i spat out on the Kunung trail i've got an app there that says where the bike path is but i've got to get across three lanes of traffic, then there's this dodgy median strip and then I've got to go across another three lanes and then I've got to find where this two metre wide shared bike path starts or ends again. I'm not wanting to look at a phone while that's happening. I'm wanting a big flashing sign saying the bike path starts here or something. I'm watching the road in that moment. I don't want to get hit by a car going at 70 kilometres an hour.
0: This this is a big network. We don't have real-time updates on it. You get this argument of, oh, not every little bike path can do this or this. Well, you do it for whatever and i think the technology is there to do it without going into you know we could do a couple of shows on the tech of this but not right now <laughs> it can be done yeah.
2: <laughs> it's not everything right? there's there's honestly again going back to my parents living up in country victoria they live in the middle of nowhere and there's a dirt road at the back of their house and i looked at it last week because i was wondering if my parents were flooded in mm. and this dirt road which gets three maybe four cars and one of them is my uncle in his ute That is literally, if I go on the site right now, it's a gravel road and it's marked as blocked. And it gets three cars a day on it.
0: And as you'd know from living in Abbotsford, you know that the Abbotsford Ravine, as some people like to call it, it's going to get Mm -hmm. flooded. Going back a couple of decades ago before like a lot of work was done on the Upper Yarra and Sugarloaf and all that, Collingwood, Richmond, Kew, all flooded. The suburbs flooded really badly.
2: We have become a bit complacent because we have had dry years recently and now all of a sudden seemingly in the last three years we're getting flooding events a bit more often and maybe that's part of this discussion is we got a bit complacent yeah. and forgot we live on floodplains, the Merrimadong River, the Yarra River. All of the rivers are on low-lying areas with floodplains and we should start planning and preparing for this again.
1: In regions where there is going to be that flooding, where you're possibly um, having to make the diversions, that's a good um, argument. Well, the cheapest option might be to put in uh, on-road bike lanes, particularly the regions. That flooding becomes more of an issue, so people have got a very safe way, if there aren't quiet back streets
2: to use. Sorry to circle back, but that's exactly what happens down at um, Dykes Falls. And it happens even in this current times where it happens, a couple of times every year, that bit between Dights Falls and the Collingwood Children's Farm get, gets flooded. And all that happens currently is somebody, I don't know who, whether it's Melbourne Water or Parks Victoria or the city of Yarra, they go down and they close those two boom gate type things and that seems to be it. Like mm-hmm. the path is closed for that 500 metres. There's no signs. There's no update on any website as far as I can see other than Facebook communities. Mm. And there's no direction of where else to go. And what actually, sorry to have a really big whinge here, but what also happens is when the flood goes away, which usually like this time it's been there for a week or so now, but usually it floods for a day or two, those boom gates will stay up for four or five days. So I don't know who locks the damn, the gates, good on them, but then can you open them again when it's open again?
1: From what I've basically seen, compared to our roads, the biopaths are actually fairly robust in terms of the flooding events. They get silted up and dirty. Oh, yeah, they, they don't do. not actually get potholed, whereas the roads actually get chewed up a lot. The worst thing in terms of our paths are actually um, tree root.
0: Or some of the older ones with... Yeah, with expansion joints and stuff like that.
1: That bumpiness makes it very, very difficult for mm. less competent riders or riders with disabilities or for young children. And some of the paths out east and out west are not particularly great.
0: So we all want to say in closing on uh, the issue.
1: Oh, what I would like to see, I think the best and probably the cheapest solution are two things, three things really. Increase the monitoring after um, these rain events. The councils know where the areas flood the most. and I, I would think that it's not a huge cost to keep these things clean. Secondly, in spots where they are likely to flood, put in some better diversions. And if you have to cross a major road, put in a pedestrian crossing or a bike pedestrian crossing, or even better still, put in some separated bike lanes for the length of the diversion.
0: Yeah, well, that makes it great for everyone because the pedestrians people on foot use the shared paths and you get rid of some of that conflict as well because oh, that's why i'm trying to push the term shared paths because that's what they are it's not actually a bike path it's for everybody who's on that using that route but it's just unfortunately it's just a term of phrase we
1: use yes true they are most of them are shared paths the amount of uh, actual specific bike path in uh, melbourne is very very small and keeping people safe and i think that should be the priority whether the pedestrians cyclists or motorists.
2: Just the last thing is, I've been probably a bit negative about the bike riding experience, but when it works, how good is it? Like it's the, even though I wins about the bike ride out Kunong Trail and Mullum Mullum and the City of Yarra, and main Yarra Trail this morning that I had. It was still an amazing two hours that I had on those shared bike paths. And mostly the pedestrians were really friendly and mostly the cyclists were really friendly. And that's as much as we need to keep this activism and this probably anger going that it's inadequate. Sometimes we shouldn't lose sight that it's a fantastic experience to be outside and along these amazing tributaries.
0: Thank you to Daniel and Stephen for making time to chat about bike lanes or no, not bike lanes, shared paths. Even I kind of forget what I, am, uh, when I was trying to interrate in, in the interview. Our podcast should be up later today on 3cr.org.au and uh, we're all volunteers here on 3CR, all us announcers. So go to 3cr.org.au and look for subscribe, donate and or fundraiser option. Up next is Shibop followed by Black Block.
1: Little kids on the road got a fight for their life. Cause the four by fours beat them such a fright. They're going too fast on the way to big.
0: Australia's most iconic bike riding holiday, the Great Vic Bike Ride, is on from Saturday 26th of November to Sunday 4th of December. This rolling bike festival will have you pedalling along the beautiful Great Ocean Road, through the Otways and Golden Plains. Tickets include all meals, a camping spot, luggage transfers, daily entertainment and more! Sign up at www.greatvic.com.au Use promo code 3CR to get 10% off! Great Vic Bike Ride, a 3CR supporter. You've been listening to a 3CR podcast produced in the studios of independent community radio station 3CR in Melbourne, Australia. For more information, go to allthews.3cr.org.au.